Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Marvel Cinematic University, the show where, you know what it is, we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we just finished up with WandaVision. You heard our recap of the last episode uh, earlier this week, but we're back. We're back to talk about the show as a whole and some other stuff. And joining me, Jay Christie, are my two co-hosts in our brothers in arms, Anthony Canton III. Hey, Pasa dudes and dudettes, we are here for part two, and this should be very fun to talk about. And Jerome Chang. Now for the real podcast. Uh. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> Jerome woke up today and chose violence. <laughs> and joining us is a guest, but also just a member of the family. Um, you know, she wasn't able to make it on Tuesday, but so we need to hear her thoughts. We're doing another podcast. Stephanie Williams. Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here as always. Yes. And so we're here to talk about, uh, like I said, to show WandaVision as a whole and reflect on it. But since Steph wasn't here to talk about her thoughts about the finale, um, and obviously we're going to sprinkle those in, but um, just generally, and I know this is a horrible question, so answer however you like. What was your, like, what were your takeaways from the finale as, as a finale? How do you feel like it ended the series? Even like, honestly, the last couple of episodes closing out just because we haven't had a chance to hear Steph's thoughts throughout. So episode eight, I actually personally enjoy because I like that we got to go through Wanda's um, trauma because it was entertaining and also provided a lot of needed backstory to make the last 10 minutes of the finale hit home to the point where I know there was dust in my eye. Um, mm-hmm. So like just really feeling her loss, but the finale as a whole, um, was very uh, disappointed by it, not even because of theories, but because it felt disjointed. And I know that that's due to the pandemic um, changing a lot of things mm-hmm. up, but um, there were some storytelling points that I thought that they could have done a little bit more with, with a little more, you know, imagination. Again, I know because of the, pan- the pandemic affected it, but um, I hate it that it did because, um, uh, the finale is feels like a different piece of the puzzle. Like it doesn't feel like it fits mm-hmm. with the rest of the series um in energy wise. Like I know it's it ties up Wanda's story, um, but it only kind of ties up Wanda's story. A lot of the other stuff mm-hmm. that they had been building up throughout the season kind of got lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. because they couldn't um, you know, tell whatever story they wanted to. So I'm actually not even upset about the theories per se. It's just that things felt so disjointed and rushed mm-hmm. um yeah, in fairness, and of course i mean like if about, you think Monica, about it so. um like marvel in general they're not exactly known for nailing the landings like they're mm-hmm. like they have really good like beginning and middles like when it comes to movies but i wouldn't say that their finales in any given movie are like it's not that like they're always bad but i wouldn't say that they're the most reliable i think they're really great at setup but like in terms of like final battles final things like i think they're um i i mentioned it on the last episode like how it, the finale for wandavision really reminded me of endgame in that you know you you hit like they're so good at moments like big moments that are so uh, amazing that you kind of forget and like when you really go back and look into it, it's like, ah, this is kind of lacking in certain points. But, um, and I think that's kind of what we got. So obviously there are like actual logistical reasons why it fell apart, but I wouldn't say I would have had the, would have had the most confidence anyway, that they were going to completely tie all loose ends. 
No, you're um, right about that. And I think that's why I'm sorry, not to cut you, but like you're right about no, that no, because I because like going into the finale, um, I anticipated being let down to a degree because of their track record. I actually wanted to be proven wrong. Um, so I like it just because those eight episodes, or if you want to say the first seven episodes were so damn strong. The fact that the finale fell short the way that it is just just kind of disappointing, um, really, because I thought that they had, you know, I thought, you know, it was going to it was going to be a thing. So so full disclosure, last week, I, I mean, not last week on Tuesday, I said episode eight kind of let me know that episode nine was going to kind of be like disjointed in the to a degree, because especially when I found out the runtime. Uh, when it was 49 minutes, I was like, yo, there's a lot of stuff to wrap up and I don't think they're going to do it. And, and I'll plug this here again. I like, I wrote, I wrote about the, you know, WandaVision as a whole and why I said mission accomplished was, and you can tell because I already knew it's almost like you get this feeling that you know what the showrunners and the director are going to kind of say about like what happened at the end and why this wasn't done and why this wasn't done. And they basically put it out there that, well, you know, Wanda's story at the end of the day was the thing that they were trying to accomplish the most. And which is why I ended up writing that. That was what they ended up doing, whether you had an issue with Monica or Darcy with one line or, you know, just like stuff that felt like it was left out to a degree. So I think it was always going to be difficult to live up to what particularly the first seven episodes were because I felt like eight is almost kind of like its own standalone, like go back and kind of see everything. But the first seven episodes, like really just like in engaging and just really amazing content that, you know, Marvel's taking this big swing and you almost, you get to the point where it's like, wow, is it, they're really gonna, they're really gonna go all the way, especially like I was saying uh, earlier with Monica's hero moment, they gave her a couple of moments, like very early on in the series to the middle of the series. And they kind of hit the pause button on her in terms of her uh, character growth and character development. Uh, And I think, you know, a lot of the supporting characters suffered to a degree, not their performances, but just their just their overall story arcs and what could have been done with them. And yes, of course, the pandemic plays a part in this. And, you know, we can say it till the cows come home. But at the same time, knowing that, I almost wonder if with that being said, you try and find uh, maybe a, a different way, and they did the best that they could. I mean, cons- all things considered, all things considered, if you want to be fair about it, that was as probably as good as you can get. I don't think any any other group could have done something like this, uh, particularly with the material that they had. But yeah, it's you, you feel kind of bad that it feels like Disney kind of twisted their arm in wanting to put the episodes out yeah. immediately. Because they sounds yeah. like they had an extra one on deck that, that they wanted to use to kind of flesh things out. And um, yeah, that will be that'll be like the ultimate takeaway from something that was really good. That probably well, so you're been saying great. there was supposed to be another episode on top of it? Yeah, um, Matt Shackman, um, he went true. on, what was it, Fat Man, the, the Kevin Smith podcast? Yeah. I can't remember the name yeah, of it. Yeah, probably why I didn't listen to it. 
Sorry, keep on. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, Matt Shagman went on Kevin Smith's podcast and yeah, basically yeah. said that they originally were supposed to release the first three episodes all at once. They gave the first three to right, the yeah, screeners yeah. to people, but they were supposed to release them all at once. And that was our um, early, that, that was like some of, um, like that was definitely, I think my early comments of just like that should have gone. Yeah, yeah, together I remember. First. Yeah, 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 I remember mm-hmm. the first, uh, yeah, that was the first, um, uh, when we did the, the two episode yeah. uh, episode at the start that you had that issue in like the, having the first three, and being able to, you know, leap into the, you know, the Monica element, the sword element would have been different. And then on top of that, because they couldn't release the first three uh, and they did release the first two, you get that little aspect with Lee, which leaves things a little jumbled up. And then on top of that, you get kind of like a rush finale because if they, don't, if they gave the first three episodes out, they wouldn't have been able to finish um, the finale. Yeah, they wouldn't have been able to finish the finale. Shackman said that, they finished the finale a couple of weeks before. Okay, everything it's like the was number due. of episodes that they you had know? was the intended number of episodes. That's the part I want to be sure of. Like they weren't planning they, on having another one on top of what we had right now. If they had more time, there would have been ten. Okay, that's what that's what I gathered from. Yeah. What but that, but that, that, that cut happened before. That happened like a year ago, basically. Right. That happened before. Okay. The, it, it has nothing to do with the release schedule. Right. That happened before they did the reshoots. Right. The release schedule X-Men. thing was that's related to the the. Um, right. 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 The first three not well, coming so out at the same. The time. The only reason why I asked that is just because you were breaking down like how much you enjoyed the first seven episodes, and at least like coming to the end of this season, um, part of me it's almost just like. It felt like the season was like 85% build up and like 15% like payoff where mm-hmm. I think yeah. maybe yeah. like we could have done those first seven episodes in five or six episodes maybe and then give a little more for it to actually like flesh out the results of everything. Um, I would have, um, I love those commercials, but if we would have, if not having the commercials would have added more story for uh jimmy or darcy totally. or monica um then i would have preferred that and i'm not saying that i didn't enjoy but i'm just thinking like to your point seven could have really been five episodes and like you know condensed the five episodes getting rid of those commercials could have helped mm-hmm. um it just really sucks though because like this is y'all show like this is your like like Disney? This is your thing. It's not like you made it for Netflix or any of that. Like right. this was you know this was in house. The call was coming from inside the house <laughs> to for you to shorten this, and I think that's kind of frustrating. I know there are other like you know bureaucracy and different red tape, but it just really sucks that the cash grab really impeded on the storytelling as a whole. And I mean, it's a big major studio, so it's not an indie thing that you can take your time with. But that just really sucks. Because mm-hmm. those first seven episodes, and I'm also going to include eight, was just so strong um, as far as storytelling was to me. Um, and the fact that, um, you know, Monica, who had been tucked into WandaVision, still was able to get fleshed out to a degree more than I feel like she would have, than her mom did in Captain Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like the finale, I did not hate it. Um, there are lots of pieces of it that I really did enjoy. And I do like the fact that 
Um, you know, I didn't walk away thinking that Wanda was good or bad. Like I just walked away thinking like, wow, like Wanda yeah. really needs some therapy. And this is what happened. And the story that was being told was of this woman who had all of this grief and pain and she let it eat away, eat away at her. And, but because she is someone with extraordinary abilities, um, you know, those, uh, all the consequences, um, they're amplified and other people got hurt. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make yeah. it right or anything. It's just, it's just a thing that happened. Like it's a very, you know, true story for, you know, not handling grief um, in, the, in the most healthiest way. So I like the way that they pushed and were outside of the, the normal Marvel formula for a majority of that series. And I think to me, it makes it a success. No matter yeah. how I feel about the finale, like it's still a success. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just—it does I not give me a little bit faith about Mar- Captain Marvel too, though. I I talked about it a little bit on the episode earlier this week, but I really don't like, and I'm not saying you're doing this at all, and I think yeah. you're doing the opposite. But I really don't like this culture we have where with TV, how it ends decides whether or not you enjoyed it the whole time. Like oh, that yeah, really sure. pisses me off. Like I remember, uh, even though they end up having more seasons, my favorite show of all time is Community. And I remember that after the creator got fired after season three and season four came out and it sucked, a bunch of people were like, oh my God, man, community. Now, I can't, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to watch the old episodes again. Season four left such a bad taste in my mouth. And it's like, but season the two community about, is like one of the most like, insane seasons of I can still watch, yeah. like, I, I think it just, and, and obviously WandaVision is a little different because it's a serialized, serialized story. Yeah. But I think that, that that's why I feel disappointed at parts of the finale. Although I think I liked it. I, I generally liked it. I enjoyed watching it. And I think that it's tied up the stuff that absolutely had to be tied up. It mm-hmm. just felt, it, it definitely felt like um, if the rest of it wasn't so good, I wouldn't have been disappointed. Like on its own, it's not a bad episode of superhero television. It's just when you create such a great everything beforehand, if you just do mm-hmm. pretty good afterwards, it's yeah. like, you know oh, what it is too, Jake? It's um well, like, I'll say this again, for a show that's titled WandaVision, it did exactly what it needed to do. It gave a full story about Wanda and Vision. Mm -hmm. But if this were like a basketball team, for example, like sometimes you got players that you're introducing that were intended to come off the bench, but they're putting in great minutes. So you're kind of a little pissed off Mm -hmm. when you're like coming to like the big game and they're not actually getting the time that they deserve. So there's just this level of, um, it worked against them that they made such great characters yeah. that we never intend, yeah, like agree. we never thought was going to be like that in- interesting mm-hmm. at all. Like when when we all saw that Jimmy was coming back, we're all like, ah, oh, jokes. But like we really want to see more Jimmy. And when we see like Darcy coming back, like Darcy before the season was like, like I'm a huge fan of hers uh, in like the Thor movies, but I also would have said like she was completely inconsequential to yeah. any of those things yeah. that whole time. And then, like, with Monica, like... Revelation. Anyone, mm-hmm. at least in my orbit, not named Stephanie Williams, like, would have been like, oh, cool, there's this character named Monica, but, like, not really, like, having expectations around her. And then now, like, you give us that, and you're like... To AC's point, he, I, I think I like how he describes it. Like, they just put her on pause. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because they... The problem is... Free Darko, you, you brought it up is because they built the side mm-hmm. characters up in the way they did. And specifically Monica, because she was your through line into Mon- into Wanda's pain. Like mm-hmm. there, yeah. they built their, um, you know, their grief and their pain to parallel one another. 
in episode seven, you know, Monica is fighting to get back through the hex so that she could help Wanda. And then, of course, Agatha interrupts that. That's fine. Um, but because they intertwine their stories in the way that they did, the fact that there was like literally no chemistry, you know, because of the reshoots and whatnot. And also mm-hmm. the way that they sideline Monica, it's amplified. Like mm-hmm. it's Darcy and Jimmy. I can't even say that I can necessarily forgive it, but because their stories weren't so tied to Wanda in the same way that Monica's was, I can kind of be like, all right. I they guess also I'll don't have a that. clear arc that they're going on. Yeah, and they no, don't. for sure. I mean, they, they don't. Were perfect, they're not, they they're not really characters. changing throughout the show. Yeah, right. You know how and, you can tell um, it's like it's super rushed. White Vision and Monica's like full conflict or where they start from came through on extra credit scenes. Like they weren't yeah. even part of the main yeah. narrative. Yeah. And then like the setup for white vision was just that they're like, here's a white vision. And then he just shows up. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, that's really fair. I mean, all that of that's extra fair. episode. Yeah. So it really did. So, so Steph, I, I did want to highlight the thing that you wrote about Monica Rambeau. Because one of the things that I highlighted, highlighted on Tuesday um, was the conversation that Wanda has with her before she leaves. And I found the conversation so off-putting because mm. it's just like, I would have almost preferred if Monica gave her the cold shoulder and kind of previewed a little bit of a showdown because it's like, mm. you're because giving her that line of, Oh, you! These people don't know what you sacrificed, especially when all these people were hypnotized, having nightmares from Wanda and all this other stuff, being almost choked to death in the middle of the city, all that stuff. And you give Monica that line. I felt it was just so weird. And I know Jake said it. It was. It was something. It was, it, they needed somebody for. It, uh, what I said Wanda. was that it felt like they needed yeah. someone to forgive Wanda. And not only is it not Monica's place to do that because Monica wasn't hypnotized for most of the time. And two, that's also not what one, what Monica would say, you know? It felt like they no. just, they, a generic character with no yeah. personality could have said that. And they just like, well, we need that she became a function rather than a character. Yes. And that is what pissed me off because then she reverted back to what her mother's role was in Captain Marvel in service to this white character, this white woman character, which again, it still would have been messed up, but it makes it doubly frustrating because they made it a point to play on Monica's empathy and her understanding of Wanda so Mm -hmm. that at the time, it did not feel as though that was in service to Wanda in an empty way because this was still building Monica's character because again, she is working through her grief and by doing so trying to understand, like, you know, understanding and advocating for Wanda because she understands that. So to have her give that line and even before that, to have her take bullets for Wanda's imaginary kids, which the problem is a bunch of reasons why that's a problem. But one, because they made a point to show that the children could handle themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, the fact that Monica was already dealing with all types of massage noir from Hayward and also Wanda to a degree. Um, the fact that the bullets came from his gun, that sucked. 
And also the fact that like, you know, she jumps in front of these children and she does the cool thing and then a bullet gets passed and then Billy stops it anyway. So what was the point of that? And Hayward was Monica's villain. Mm -hmm. Monica doesn't get to confront Hayward in any kind of way. It's Darcy who comes in and, you know, rams and uh, rams the truck and then he stopped. And that wouldn't have not, that wouldn't have been a problem if they did not set it up for Hayward to be Monica's villain because he was the entire time. So at the very least, if you give your side character a villain, then you better let them at least address that villain by the end of the show wrap up. Because if you don't, then everything that you've done before kind of unravels a little bit. And that sucks because when Monica talks to Wanda and it's just like, well, they don't know what you gave up. And I would have done the same thing if given the, the, you know, the chance, no, you wouldn't because you said in episode seven that your pain, you wouldn't change any of that. So they contradicted themselves on top of that because when Wanda gives that passionate speech to Wanda, she says to her, she's talking about, you know, losing her mom and the pain and the grief. And she's like, I wouldn't change it because it's my story. So then, girl, why are you saying that you would by the time you get to the finale? And and I think that the issue with Monica is literalized by what I expected when she took the bullets. I was expecting, and I don't know exactly how her powers work, but I was thinking she was going to somehow repurpose that energy and like shoot, for all intents and purposes, shoot back at Hayward, right? And I think that that is, the bullets that are shot from Hayward are a literalization of like the shit that he's handed her. And it's like all, but in in the same way that that throughout the whole show, she just has to take his abuse and you expect like this is going to be worth it because she's going to absorb it and use it to shoot back at him in a literal sense she gets literally shot by him and she isn't given the opportunity to shoot back at him and no that he tells sucks. the kids that's cool yeah yeah right. and, and and the thing is what really made me mad is because like i know why y'all put that there because you read al ewing's the mighty avengers and you saw that panel where she is taking on gunfire. And in that instance, it works. It makes sense. And this one, it did not. And it just felt like, oh, we got a Black character. You know, it's impervious to bullets. So let's do this thing because it worked for Luke Cage. It works on Black Lightning with Thunder. So like, let's do that and stop fucking doing that because it comes off tone deaf and empty. Like it's not Hollow. doing what yeah, you it, think it, it is. Yeah, it, yeah it's in it. What's more impactful is having Monica confront Hayward head on um, and call him out on all the shit that he had been giving her since day one. Like that would have been the more impactful thing to do and wouldn't have cost you any CGI. Also sidebar, uh, Steph, was that more of like a spectrum thing or a a photon thing? So so that's another thing I want to, y'all, and that, I'm not calling you out on this, but because I keep seeing it in different like things. Photon, Captain Marvel, Spectrum, all all same powers. She okay. she loses her powers for a little bit um, and she gets them back and they're a little weaker, but they're still the same power set. Um, okay. But I know like there's been some confusion because she's had so many different names and people are thinking like, oh, well, you know, yeah. When she has this name, she has this power. When she has this name, she has this power. No, they're all the same. Yeah. It's like so Death breaks it down really well in her daddy. write-up. <laughs> like, like that's how I got all my. <laughs> um, that's how I got like all my uh, like basically all my Monica background was reading Steph's uh, write-up for mm-hmm. it was for Marvel, right? Um, that you did, yeah, uh huh. And uh, and it was like it's interesting because 
it also like plays to the kind of unfortunate nature of just Monica getting the shit in the stick of just like she remains the same person with the same powers who should have everything and people are taking her like her actual like full name and like all she can do about it is continue on and adopt a new persona even though nothing's really changed she is just like having to adapt for everyone else which is bullshit yeah. which she ended up doing in the in the end of this show now uh, steph i'll also ask you about the about the post credit scene like i know you're concerned with captain marvel too um i know uh nia DaCosta is directing uh what are you thinking along those lines in terms of not only just monica's story with carol but also you add miss marvel into the mix because that's that's going to be a part of this you got secret invasion um all there's a lot of stuff that they're throwing into this so it makes you wonder <laughs> and i see the look on your face right now because... it kind of tells the story well, because, um, you know, I so terribly wanted the Hex to have given Monica's powers, but because of the way the finale was handled and just going back and rewatching the whole entire series again, I'm like, yeah, she she had some powers before. Uh, maybe they were just activated or whatever, but like I'm starting to fully firmly believe that she had her powers before. She got them from something that Carol did and whatever Carol did or whatever was involved probably gave her mother cancer. And that's where a lot of that animosity that we kind of got mm. a hint of is coming from. Um, mm. And when uh, Darcy mentions her name and it ticks me off because when Monica was introducing Captain Marvel as a child, I was just like, wow. So like this character has taken like a super backseat into a car seat to this character. And it sucks because, you know, Monica and Carol were never tied together until Carol took, I mean, you know, started going by Captain Marvel, which wasn't until like the, the 2000s. And like in like later in the 2000 as well. And it just kind of sucks because now when folks think of these two characters, they think of, you know, Auntie Carol to this baby Monica is like, no, this is a full grown woman who led the Avengers and was this own character separate from her. And I hate the way that they're tied together because this is the first black woman who has powers in the Marvel universe that has been introduced, yeah. but um, uh, some of her agency has been taken away because she is so tied to this other character that you all have introduced. And maybe it wouldn't be a problem, but just for so many nuanced reasons, it just agitates the fuck out of me because I just feel like we're going to get more of the same in Captain Marvel too. Um, and that sucks because not to like, I don't, not, not, this isn't in like a pitting a woman against woman type of thing. This is a no, like this. Black woman deserves to have her own story yeah, separate yeah. from anyone else. And we're not getting that. It's getting tucked in. And then now, you know, I got dragged all weekend for this piece. And that, people that was telling just me, what I was about. Yeah. yeah. Well, telling it, me to uh, wait for Captain yeah. Marvel 2. No, and I'm like, yeah, I was just understand? about to say, yeah, Steph, I was, I was just about to say, like, it makes me think of like, so when I first read your article, I was like, it made me think because at first I'm because I knew watching the finale that Monica wasn't like wasn't really treated well. But you your article like art, articulated that for me in a way where I fully understand like the whole 
the whole spectrum, for lack of a better term, of, of, of what was happening there. And what you just said there, just perfectly put it into clear view is because if you really think about the history of this character, the history of this character is its own thing. And then by, you know, retconning it into this, to the, to the original Captain Marvel, then it's kind of like, it's, it's, I remember talking to Howard Bryan as a side, this is a sidebar, talking to Howard Bryan about the Negro Leagues and how Major League Baseball decided to put the Negro League statistics with Major League Baseball statistics. And by doing that, we forget why the Negro Leagues were separate from baseball. Mm-hmm. And and it just as just as a comparison point, it's it basically what it's what it says is. We have to remember where this character came from, especially if you're not only a Marvel fan, but if you're a comic reader, such as uh, Stephanie, such as myself, or anybody who does read the comics, that, you know, that part of it matters. By putting them together, then you kind of, like, lose, you know, eventually as years go on. This is not something that'll... that'll well, I mean, I, you don't need to wait years go on. I just, I'm going to be frank, as a non-comic reader, I can... When I Captain Marvel, like... It was a shock to me. I learned like six months ago that Carol Dan, that Monica Rambeau was Captain Marvel first. Like that just, I mean, most people just think that because that the movies and are more popular I, than right. the comics. Same boat as Jake. I, I did not. And, and that like, I remember reading it and then the movie happens and me completely forgetting that she is not the original. Yeah, it, it, it yeah. sucks. And that's and, and, that, yeah. and that's like when you get stuff like that. So when Steph writes that article, and then you know me as normal, I'm thinking of it as just in man. I really felt like Monica could have done more. But then when you read the article, and then you really think about it, it's like what they did there is a lot more than just pausing her story. It's almost like forgetting that her story happened in in, in a way. And especially right. what yeah. the and I think and I and I understand Steph's um, disappointment because particularly when you think about the middle episodes, episodes from episodes three through seven, mm-hmm. we are seeing Monica being a, an integral part of this show. Mm-hmm. And they treated her as such. They built mm-hmm. her up. They gave her these, mm-hmm. these great moments. Episode four, um, the, the Darcy, uh, Jimmy, Monica trio is a big part of the series in the middle episodes. It's almost kind of like it's the other side of the WandaVision stuff. You know what it is? It's so like, it's like, the, it's like the BT the Mythbusters is what it was like. It's, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Like, it's, it's, such an, it's such an integral part of the series. So, like, when you get the finale, and, I, and again, caveats and yeah, everything, yeah. as we mentioned, you get that, and it's just, it is a let, it is a letdown to a degree. It does feel like, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I think, oh, God, sorry, go. No, just, um, we, we keep on mentioning the caveats and all that, like, I'm sorry, but whatever logistical reasons that they have, like, there's no way that's fixing a lot of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably I mean, right. Like, I think, I, I, I think like, yeah, we can say, like, certain things, like, wouldn't have made it difficult, but, like, like the core things about how they, ha- like, you're telling me you're going to get a more fully fleshed out, like, Monica story out of this? Like, you're not going to get much more no. than what you got received. No. I think and they then probably felt the- like the, what they did was, um, uh, sufficient enough. I'm yeah. sure that they did, and that's the problem when you do not have um, you have a black character, especially a black woman. You don't have any black women in that writers' room because that massage noir that Monica deals with is not put there on purpose. That is intrinsic. That is, you know, you know, Jack writing that and not really realizing 
that that is how it's going to read. Mm -hmm. Um, that woman is dealing with this, right? Because they've switched out the character and it's now as black woman yeah. in there and they're actually doing mm -hmm. a really good job of acknowledging mm -hmm. that and noticing that that is part of the story. So they need to make sure that when the thing happens, that it is addressed and doesn't mm -hmm. go unchecked. For WandaVision, when that started happening, I was like, one or two things are gonna, is gonna happen. Um, it will get addressed or it won't. And I never had necessarily have faith that it would get addressed because I'm like, I'm pretty sure no anyone in that writer's room is noticing like, hey, we got some massage noir going on here. And that's something that's gonna be unavoidable because again, like you have a black woman that is there. There is, um, you know, another authority figure that is, you know, above her, the way that mm -hmm. he speaks to her or she speaks to her, like, you know, you gotta call a thing a thing and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So I never necessarily had faith that it would get, um, I don't know, like Monica would have like the best ending in the finale, but at the very, very minimum, on not even noticing the massage noir or any of that, have her be able to confront Hayward because you set that up as yeah. he was taking pot shots at her, you know, bringing mm -hmm. up how her mother would be disappointed and mm -hmm. all of these things. Like, regardless of who you are yeah. and where you're from, you're going to want to see somebody mm -hmm. about that. Like, you want to you want to meet them outside. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just another thing that... You know, I know we're playing in a superhero genre and all of that, but this is why when I talk about comics, I talk about it in a very way, in a way that relates to the real world, because to me, it is, it is a reflection, all storytelling mm -hmm. is, yeah. but yeah. comics is in a special way that you can really tell, you know, uh, folks impressions and the way that they see the world, because it comes through on the page, through that art and through what is being said and not being said in the comic panels. And, um, it, it just sucks. I think the it's thing- like, I want yeah. it to be wrong. Yeah. I think the thing that I noticed, and I think when you talk about the oppression, is I think that even well-intentioned writers' rooms, if it's all white people, I think well-intentioned white people can recognize the ways that Black people, particularly Black women, get put upon and mistreated. And I think that the problem is that we're able to observe that but because we're not able to understand how it feels and what mm -hmm. it's what it is what it feels like and how you want to respond, I think uh, I say our as meaning white people's instinct is always kind of be like, well, black people when they deal with bad shit, they just turn the other cheek and move on. It's like no, that's yeah. not. But like, what at what cost is kind of the thing that it's right. like, yeah, you're right? right. And correct. so. And, and I think well, really the solution to this is, and I think that everyone in your mentions who was like, just wait for Captain Marvel 2. I mean, I'm really excited for Captain Marvel 2 because I like the character of Captain yeah. Marvel, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I think you only, if you're not going to put a character like Monica Rambeau at the center of the frame, you're just consistently setting yourself up to be disappointed because it's just, mm -hmm. there's, she deserves to have it. She clearly, and, and I, I really hope that they put her at the center of something because, you know, I think that she has a lot to offer and you know, even even in the best possible scenario, if you put a character like her at the side of the frame, her her story having a satisfying ending is always going to be the first thing to go if something has to be cut. You know, like mm -hmm. the fact that the pandemic happened, it, there are things they couldn't do. And like, for example, Jerome, you talk about things they couldn't do. I wouldn't be surprised if that they had to like 
if there was some sequence she had where not not actually a good thing, but like something more with her using her powers over they could. It could use. very well be like they had nothing for Darcy to do, so they had Darcy do that one thing. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm yeah. not sure, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that like it's not a coincidence that yeah. like when when the, when the pandemic hit, the thing they were going to cut is always going to be the side character, and of course because sure. it's a TV show and it's made by white people, the per the side character is the black character, you know, and so yeah. yeah. So the solution is rather than just being like, we should try to write harder for the black side character. No, just make the black character to the center of the frame and you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> like, also, I mean. Also, I, I'll, I'll say this about what um, Shackman said on the podcast, like that idea that he had and he thought he thought he was being real cute with the, oh yeah, we had this scene where Monica, Darcy and the kids all went down to Agatha's basement. And then um, there was going to, get the dark hold and, mm -hmm. and do almost like a Scooby-Doo chase or whatever with a senior scratchy and senior scratchy was going to turn into a demon. Yeah. That, that would, that would, I don't know about that, man. I mean, I, I would have enjoyed that. it. And then I would have to lie about it when then Stephanie came on and explained <laughs> how it was problematic in a bunch of ways. It's like, yup, absolutely problematic that they put her in that situation. Right. <laughs> And, but I hate it though because like when he said that I was like that of course that's what you would do right um and it sucks because another reason why her interacting with the kids in that way sucks is because historically for black women in these type of genre shows and also in comics you think of Storm um I love Amanda Waller because she's actually a um, subversive this but you get this kind of um this mammy type of thing where they're just always with the kids yeah. and it's a thing of you're not a child but you can't sit with the adults so you can watch the kids so you mm -hmm. have a responsibility and again like these are just things that um I just like just me as a creator I try to think of I know I'm writing this thing but how are people going to interpret like what are the cultural nuances that are going to play into this and to your point Jake someone white is just not going to have that. Yeah. Like you don't know how it feels to be on the receiving end of those type of microaggressions and stuff. So, I mean, I don't fault the writers for not knowing, you know, that experience. I fault them for not including at least Absolutely. someone in the room that right. does. It, so, it's, the whole thing too, is I think that there's a very, a thing that, you know, well-intentioned white people, which is a great phrase because it really, you know, there's always some acid on it, but it's like, and I put myself in this category of like, I think a lot of well-intentioned white people are like, I understand people who don't have good intentions who aren't thoughtful, they, you know, they they shouldn't, you know, take make a black character with white children and like making them protector because they, you know, don't know that there's the nuances of that maybe like bring about bad things. But I know that there's a historical bad thing about that. And because I know that, that means it's okay for me to do it. But like, no, that's actually just not true. Like, just cause you know that you're in problematic territory doesn't mean that you are able to navigate it, you know? And I think yeah. that that's kind of like, you, you just by having her in that situation, even if you're not literally doing anything problematic, it inherently is like, oh, of course she has to, Monica, who is a super powerful person, who's a beyond having superpowers is a really, you know, powerful agent and has a lot of responsibility. Her job is to save these not real children, you know, in this, save themselves. in this catastrophe, yeah, right. she has to save these imaginary children who can save themselves. It's like, that's just dumb. And that is like, and uh, yeah. And, and then there's the whole racial element of like, of course, you're going to make the one black character save these two imaginary white children. Um, yeah. so, and all of it, again, at the expense there. of her actual story that she should be having. Exactly. Like it's, yeah. it's one thing if like she had yeah. all the stuff in terms of like the closure, like 
completing her story and arc with Hayward. And then yeah. like one scene is that she's protecting the kids, but that's all you're giving her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so before, uh, before before we move on, and I know we got a, a you know a couple other things to get to. Part of and this kind of conversation kind of fits into uh, something else Steph mentioned because Steph and I have talked about this on Marvel Did What before about you know Falcon and the Winter Soldier and what they're you know at least they keep saying that they're planning to do with uh, Sam's character because is coming from Kevin Feige, is coming from the showrunner, is coming from everybody like, well, we're really looking at Sam Wilson as a black man and how he fits in this world as the new Captain America and all this other stuff and what he has to do. And, you know, the, there's just elements to the story that I that I do know that they're, they're, they're trying to introduce that I'm not sure if this is going to end up exactly like they think it is. And this is why I pose this to Stephanie. Um, how do you feel about like the way that they've talked about it so much? Like they really have in every interview, they're really like hammering it home to a point. And it makes me wonder like, man, like what, it, what are they trying to get at here? What, what do you think? I think that it's about to be a shit show, to be honest. Um, And the reason why I say that is the red flag for me is because of the way that they talked about it, right? Because they're bigging themselves up for doing this immaculate thing that no one has seen yet, which tells me that a lot of, um, you know, yeah, yeah, we are doing a thing, but it makes me believe that they probably did not. Um, Because the showrunner, I know that, um, uh, what is his name? What's the guy's name? Shoot, I can't even remember. And I and I have. Anyway, like he was a part of. um, He and his wife were a part of the Confederate show that was supposed to be on HBO. Like they were, they were writers. Yes, and I like said it, but didn't really say it on Twitter. And that's why I was just like, I think I tweeted out like from Confederate to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Can't wait to see how this unfolds because if you're telling me that someone who was going to do the confederate is going to be able to touch on all of the like taking consideration the nuances of sam's story in regards to taking on the shield and what that would mean for a black man i'm i would be surprised i would like to be surprised because if not then, i did look him up he is black so i don't he, know if that was yes. no 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 it doesn't because he was going to okay. do the confederate that's fair so <laughs> So, I just want to mention that. That's all you got. That's all you got to say. Because yeah. yeah. anybody so, who knows what the Confederate was. Because like Anthony, it's already a story that is, you know, because like what they're <laughs> making Luke Cage a super cop in the summertime, right? So, <laughs> all I'm saying, if you're listening to this podcast and like you will really have faith that they're going to like do Ooh. the thing that they said they did. Maybe the best like case scenario be is that they just kind of don't do anything at all with it. That it's all right. surface level. That's so. my hope. That would be yeah. the best thing, yeah. honestly. And sometimes, sometimes, yeah, and sometimes, sometimes when we talk about escapism, sometimes you don't have to lean into it. And I know in 2021, everybody wants to be woke, but it doesn't have to be that way. Sometimes we could just get, get me my buddy cop story, mm. beat the crap out of some people, mm. and get out in six episodes. And, and there are some stories yeah. that, like, components like race and gender and all that are intrinsic to the narrative. As far as I can tell, like while there can be some undertones, like it doesn't feel like 
the thing it doesn't feel like we're going to walk away from the Falcon Rear Soldier and be like, the real enemy was racism. I'm like, no, that's not, <laughs> yeah. that's not what it's yeah. going to be. And so there's some things that that is the case, but that doesn't feel like it's good. I, I, before right. I started seeing that interviews, <laughs> I wasn't thinking like, I wonder how the show's going to handle race. Same. Um, Same, Jake. Same. Yeah. By the way, I also just wanted to simple. mention that the creator, the showrunner's name is Malcolm Spellman, which yes. that's, that's yeah. I, yeah, I saw that name much. and it's like, I need to confirm he's black, but... <laughs> Yes. No, 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 but he and his wife are going to do Confederate. And to your point, Jake, I never thought that they were going to try to do, you know, like really tackle mm -hmm. something so political yeah. in that way. Because uh, like it's the MCU, so don't do that. Because mm -hmm. um, you guys haven't necessarily handled it in the, the best ways and really taken it nuanced with a lot of stuff. So for the simple fact that they made it a point to let us know that yeah. they did the thing tells me that they didn't do the thing. Because no. like, you don't have to talk about it if you didn't. And the thing is, I also think that with the MCU, directors and writers say a lot of stuff before the movies come out. Like, yeah. if you mm -hmm. were to listen to everything the directors say, like, you would think that the MCU made, like, nothing but 70s gritty genre movies. So, like, I'm mm -hmm. going to take that all with a grain of salt. Um, For sure. Yeah. But yeah, the problem is, they've mentioned it. Now, of course. they're going to have, like, if the work is not there, then you're going to have a hellfire. Yeah. And a part of me wants to be petty online and say to folks, if Sam's story doesn't turn out the way that they envision it, then I'm like, well, then I guess you have to wait for the next thing he's in, huh? Mm -hmm. You should. It would be like Frank Vogel, like going <laughs> on a scrum and saying like, LeBron James is perfectly healthy. No one asked about his health. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Exactly. Right. <laughs> what's, what's going not, on here? Yeah, nobody's perfectly healthy. For this. There's They're nothing going wrong out of telling people this. Yeah, like on their just, own. That's never a good sign. It's ever. never a good sign. You know, you know, something is anytime. It's always going to be shaky when someone has to talk about it. Like, yeah, like I always uh, liken it to like, uh, no one's a nice person that has to claim that they're a nice person. All the I time. mean, the I hate to say that this. There's a tweet that basically sums this up better than anything. It's Go a class. It. It's one of those canonical tweets that gets retweeted like once a month of my quote, not involved in human trafficking t-shirt has people asking a lot of questions already answered <laughs> by my t-shirt. That's what it is. Like right, 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 you bring right. it up. Uh, but anyway, let's go back to uh WandaVision. Unless yeah. you have more Falcon and the Winter Soldier questions for Steph. Um, but I think I think that what I want to talk about um is just that what do we think because i think a falcon and the soldier is seems like it's a pretty standard soup action tv show is what it's yep. feeling like mm -hmm. and not that there's a problem with that and i'm not saying that in like the yeah, seinfeld no. ironic way no, i mean no, like no, literally no. there's no yeah. problem with that um but what do we feel like this opens up for the possibility for other mcu shows because it does make me excited not just that they did it but that like they did wandavision and it still was the most talked about tv show in yeah. forever like I personally, and I, I know that this is, you know, they, they, I don't want to be completely rosy about everything, but it was like, holy shit, like this is, makes me believe that they'll just take more chances with TV shows. And I, I, I think it's what you said, way? Jake. Yeah, I think it's what you said. Um, what WandaVision told us is that like when it came to our Marvel series, we wouldn't be just getting a bunch of like Falcon and Winter Soldiers. Yeah. Right. And that's was like important as hell because... I know that we kind of missed out because uh, WandaVision had to be pushed up and be the first one, but I think it still worked out in their favor that it was the first one because it cap 
and if uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier would have been first, then I would have been very whole hum about everything else. But because WandaVision was first and it did so much that was just so very different from the MCU, then that makes me want to watch Loki. Like, I didn't right. want to watch uh -huh. Loki before, but right. because Loki is, I think, more closely tied in energy to what we got in WandaVision and yeah. like just the character himself. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking, I'm more so looking forward to um, Multiverse of Madness. Like I'm looking forward to all mm -hmm. that stuff. And even Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I actually, I was not interested in at all because I just don't like Anthony Mackie. I just, <laughs> yeah, that, I hate yeah. that I don't like, like I just, Fuck the free world. I just don't like them. I know. And I hate that because it makes me care less about mm -hmm. Sam and I already don't care about Sam in the comics. And like, right. I want to care about Sam in the comics, but <laughs> because of, we talked about this, Anthony, because of the way that he's yeah. written, you oh, don't want to care Ooh. about him. So, um, I'm curious as to how this is going to pan out, but for the simple fact that they're like, hey, y'all, like nudging us hard as fucking the ribs, like, yo, we did this thing, so pay attention to it. Yeah. Now, if it's not there, it's like phase three. It's like when phase three <laughs> yeah. happened, like you just, you you said like, oh, we can get weird now. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's the difference between going from like dark world to Ragnarok. I mean, yeah. I read a quote and I think AC retweeted this that made me like, I was reading it as I was refilling water in my kitchen while on a break from work and I almost like I was so excited where it was Benedict Cumberbatch saying that like on the set of Multiverse of Madness Sam Raimi will sometimes just be like hey man how about you just try this a couple different ways and we'll figure out what goes on yeah. it's like that is just yeah. like for someone whose favorite movies are all made that way like I think that things like that that if if what Kevin Feige is doing and you know people can I, there's a lot of criticisms that Kevin Feige you can have but the thing that he's done well which I'm excited that he's even seems to be doing more with the TV shows is that if he can use his might as a producer not to overrule creative people but to mm -hmm. stave off the bigger powers and let creative people be creative which is yeah. what good produce like the best producers in the world yeah. are the ones who do that if he's able to do that then like I mean the sky's the limit. Although the funny thing about WandaVision is if you, if I remember correctly, this is like one of the few properties that Kevin Feige came up with in time. Like he was came up with the idea for this one, which is kind of crazy because yeah. he's not mm -hmm. really a love, a love letter to sitcoms. For yeah. Him. Cause he's yeah. usually not like the creative force pine stuff. But I remember he's like, I read that he came up with the idea of using sitcoms as a way to tell Wanda's story, which is very know, cool. Yeah. Great idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, think of the stuff that they're trying to tackle with stuff like Moon Knight and She-Hulk. Like, those oh, are yeah. just, like, off the yeah, board. Moonlight's going to be unbreakable. Right. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Can't wait for that. And even the She-Hulk series, the fact that they were willing to do, like, lean into the sitcom stuff, mm -hmm. because to me, the best She-Hulk uh, series is one that leans into sitcom -y type of tropes. Because yeah. I know how folks feel about John Byrne, but, damn it, the sensational She-Hulk series that he, you know, drew and wrote, I love it. Because it's just... You know, her going through goofy shit, but also at the same time, um, you really get, well, like, you know, Jen has some flavor in that. The mm. fashions are nice. And I just, I don't know, like, it's weird. And I love that. And it made me think of WandaVision in that way. So because WandaVision was what it was, it made me feel more hopeful for whatever She-Hulk is going to be. The thing that I'm excited about with She-Hulk is I remember when they announced that they were doing a She-Hulk show. Mm -hmm. as the non-comic book person it's like i always felt like she hulk is one of those where it's like this is so dumb they just put she in front of the name hulk like it's so <laughs> right. and, and it's just yeah. like and the fact that like i think they clearly seem to be aware of that 
And I think I think we talked about last week. I mean, last, or last episode is how one of the MCU's greatest strengths is its abilities to recognize what co- is a little silly from the comics, but not do what in Jerome point this is out, not do what the original X-Men movie did and say like, the, what do you think? We're going to wear yellow suits, like not mm-hmm. subvert it, but to just be like, yes, this is silly. And we're going to acknowledge it's a little silly, but then still do it. You know, like the Captain yeah. America can make fun of his suit a little bit, but he's still going to wear it. And right. I think yeah. that the way that they've been able to do that and that I think has had been able, how they've been able to do some of the other, the funnier things. And I mean, yeah, so I'm excited about all those stuff. AC, you were going to say something or did I just misread your mind? No, I, I was actually going to, I actually had a thought because I, I didn't know where you were going to head next as far as WandaVision was concerned, but I was just curious. Do you, did you have any awards on deck? Did you have any like things? I was, I was going to ask, you know, favorite, uh, fa- I was going to ask favorite episode, like favorite episode and a favorite sitcom motif. Um, and then like just some general favorite moments. Um, I didn't have a strict awards thing, but I can, it's not that hard to do. So I'll come up with that right now. But let's just start off with AC starting with you. What was your favorite uh, episode? And if it, if it's not the same, what was your favorite motif? Huh. Um, I, I honestly, I've been, I've actually been thinking about this for a couple of days and I want to say episode five, because there was episode five for me. You get the end with uh, Fiatro. Mm-hmm. You get Vision realizing that things are wrong and mm-hmm. his response to Wanda towards the end. Mm-hmm. I just love how she tried to cut him off with the credits and mm-hmm. and yeah. he's still powering through. It's like mm-hmm. you can't the line that the line in the way that Paul Bettany spoke where he says, You can't control me like you do them. Mm-hmm. It was just like there was a just a, a just like a chill in terms of performance and stuff like that and then you know um just the weird looks that agnes at the time was given mm-hmm. a wanda um the gentleman at vision's uh job that like all of those scenes mm-hmm. the twins like everything like and then you still get monica and darcy's and uh, jimmy's story yep Wanda coming out to confront everybody at sword like there is mm-hmm. so much so much good scenes happening mm-hmm. there it was so enjoyable yeah episode five yeah. is my favorite i'll jump yeah. off that one just because uh that's also the same for me but like it just felt like the best parts of wandavision are all on display in that one episode like mm-hmm. the just yeah. the best things that you hit over there um really great motif uh how they break the fourth wall i think like also um or like how do they break the format not the fourth wall but like uh just this level of for all the things that we did and speculated through and like predicted through and worked out that was probably the episode where you would watch it and be like i do not know what's going to happen yeah yeah more so than any yeah. other one but yeah no yeah. it was definitely my favorite too steph no well, like i'm torn and i hate to be that person but no, it's it's episode... made a career out of it <laughs> yeah nothing's <laughs> right it's uh it's um episode four and seven mm-hmm. uh four okay. because of um, seven was my runner opening. up for sure yeah, yeah. Like, that cold opening and then the cold mm-hmm. closing yeah. um i just be best scene for me um yeah episode four. um and episode seven because of um you Seven's know my pick. yeah like because mm-hmm. of like the reveal of monica's powers and different stuff and then also the motif that i loved in that was the breaking the fourth wall yeah. because mm-hmm. Um, they did it in so many cool ways and meta and both uh, meta That's the and Malcolm also in the middle like just, open, right? Yeah. No, yeah. And it, wait, no, episode seven. Wait, is no, no, the, that uh, one is that was the one before the, it. Um, Sorry. Modern family. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that right. one. Sorry about that. But um, yeah, yeah like 
to me, episode seven is another one where like some of the best elements from the show that I mean from the entire series is on display in that. Yeah. episode. And, and it informs yeah. the thing I like about seven one. It's a mockumentary. And my pilot that if you're an agent, you can email me, I'll send it to you, is a mockumentary <laughs> and I do good stuff with the format. And so I love that. But I also feel like it's one of the places where the sitcom, the format it's using informs the storytelling in a really interesting way that, yeah. and I mean, they, they do that with all of them, but I think it's the one, it's also like the one I feel most comfortable with. Cause every, the only, only episode six and seven are really sitcoms that I grew up with. Cause like I grew right. up late enough where like, I really didn't like any nineties uh, sitcoms that are multi-camera. I thought they're all cheesy and I hated them. I didn't want to say that on the episodes, but like Full House, all those, I could not, I, they're so, I sat Even, even I like, them. even us Honestly, like older, like, like I, I don't think any of us look at it like I got to get back and watch, rewatch. No, but two. I'll tell you this, a lot of my peers in my generation definitely like love Full House and oh, yeah. shows like that. And, and I'm like, I just never got it, but I'm also, you know, uh, me. Anyway, um, Oh, but I think the Agatha all along, I think is the best moment of the, is my, not the best, my favorite moment of the show. And that's yeah. cheesy to say. That's a bit like saying that Bohemian Rhapsody is your favorite Queen song, but it is just like so iconic in, in not in the way that Gen Z used the word iconic, but like legit iconic. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. And so this moving along because we're a little, we're running short on time. Um, AC, what was your favorite like scene or moment? I'll give an honorable mention for me too before you go. Is the magic show in episode two? I feel like episodes one and two kind of gotten forgotten because there was no outside of the the show. But yeah, yeah, that scene was great. Anyway, AC. Uh, uh, no, like I was, you know, Stephanie mentioned episode four. That open is mm-hmm. that was just jarring to yeah. see the blip and everybody come back. How chaotic it was and amazing. Everybody's emotions were just running mm-hmm. all over the place, and I thought. Um, Tiana Paris just did a great job uh, carrying that scene. And it was just a, like, it's just like, it sets you up kind of like for what the modern part of the series was and what was going on outside the hex in in a very, very good way. So yeah, definitely that yeah. scene for me was my favorite. Rob Dog? I'm going to, I'm going to defer to Steph first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, my favorite scene, um, Monica's uh, going through the hex. Mm-hmm. Um it was just so such brilliant storytelling and um, again, breaking the fourth wall, breaking all kinds of walls, um, <laughs> the actually playing into Monica's powers, um, the fact that she can, you know, turn herself into so many different forms of energy and like pulling herself together um, and working through her pain, working through her trauma as she works her way through the hex um, to get to this, um, to get to Wanda. Um, mm-hmm. It was just really well done and to have the yeah. callbacks from Captain Marvel and, you know, her mom, um, Nick Fury, Carol, all of that. It was just really well done. Theme. It could have been so uncinematic is the thing. So many mm-hmm. things like that where they try to show flashbacks. Yeah. It's stupid, you know? Yeah. And like it was it was it kept your attention in a way that like it things like that so often don't, you know? Yeah, like it didn't take you out the moment. Exactly. And that's why, yeah, and like the way that they did it, um, because it would have sucked if they would have did like a literal flashback. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. would have sucked. But um, I'm like, it was just, it was like really streamlined storytelling. And mm-hmm. I just really, I really yeah. loved it. And then because I'm, you know, a, a big fan of the Oscars, aka the Academy Awards, um, I'm the, what the gender, I'm do the gender neutral actor, best actor, uh, who do you want to give best actor to keeping in mind that you can give it to anyone and it doesn't actually have to be who gave the best performance. Cause the Oscars don't do that obviously. So AC, uh, who do you want to give it to? Ooh, this 
is a tough one. This is a tough one. Um, Can I, I go first? Really, yes, because I, I, I think it's very easy for me, personally. Um, okay. Uh, Jerome, you go first. Come this back is to very me. informed by the last episode and the meme that came out of it, but I'm going to go with Paul Bettany. Same. Yeah. Uh, AKA mm-hmm. Vishon. Um, just the range he showed throughout the whole series, um, having to be uh, so many different uh, versions of vision um, and also even like an entirely different type of vision and white vision. Uh, if we're talking just like range alone. Uh, he was intimidated by playing white vision, by the way. Was he? All right. Well, I mean, he's, like, he, he, he basically by... played, I mean, he's played a completely white person before. Have you not seen the Da Vinci Code? Man was an I love Wimbledon. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, shout out the albino. Um, but no, no, like, he, he was just so fun. And I think the other thing, too, like, I know it wasn't for uh, everyone, but um, uh, what was I even going to get to? Sorry. Um, I completely lost my thought because yeah, I just, I just did before because yeah. I am also Paul Bettany. I think that yeah. for me, I think it's just a similar thing with Chris Hemsworth in Thor Ragnarok, where it's like, oh, where have you been? Oh, sorry, it was a bounce back for Vision as a character. Yeah, for me. it's like was, some was, of the whole season was yeah, and I think that Elizabeth Olsen's incredible in yes. a lot, and she's like, if literally you had to give a best actor. It would go best actor would go to Elizabeth Olsen and best supporting would go to Catherine Hahn probably if like it was literal the Oscars. But um I think that just the way that Paul Bettany so seamlessly did all of the sitcom yep. tropes was just and while also being somehow still conveying that he's a robot is like yeah. honestly kind of crazy anyway it's, it's, it's like weird it's like layered in yeah. everything that he was doing yeah. it, it, it is and and ultimately why yeah i'll agree with you with you guys there is just what i talked about like and what you guys talked about it's like the layers and then the transformations because yeah. you think about what he was in episodes one and two and then you get to mm-hmm. an episode like episode uh episode four where he, you know he's still kind of like confused. Uh, where we see at the end that you know they with the with the mind stone out of him and, and yeah. dead and stuff. Um, that scene was very you know the, the way that he played it was just like really concerned about Wanda. We can get away from here. And then mm-hmm. going to episode five, the annoyed, the you know the angry, mm-hmm. the upset uh, vision, that stuff. And then we get the flashback vision in episode eight. Where where we get that great line? Uh, what is uh, what is grief if not love? love that was so I, I I skipped over my favorite scene, but that probably is uh, my favorite scene. Mm. The Avengers complex with uh, okay. Vision and Wanda. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a very and good Steph, one. But yeah. who you given your Oscar? Who the Oscar goes to? Well, I mean, in my heart, Paul Bettany, but um, I'm gonna have to say Diana um, Paris because, like, yeah. to be in a side character role, but to, in a lesser actress hands, uh, we wouldn't be feeling the way we do oh, about my at all. We wouldn't sure. remember her at all. No, she, no. she is the part. The, she the did others- a lot of heavy lifting um, mm-hmm. for that script and convincing and all of that. So to do what she did, I mean, her and actually Randall Park uh, mm-hmm. was just amazing. Like they made the most out of every scene they were given, yeah. even mm-hmm. in, you know, the finale as well. I, I think the thing with Tiana Paris too, is that I think so often when you have a, just based on the way society is, when you have a female character who is very strident and knows what she wants, it's hard. A lot of times it's 
played as the audience doesn't want to root for them because there's not the charisma or like the warmth or whatever, mm-hmm. all these things that are attributed to women who are powerful, you know, that they, but all yeah. these things. And like, I think the thing that Tana Paris is able to convey is that like the, her strongheadedness and everything she was doing comes from a very personal place. And mm-hmm. it's not just like, and you felt all of the motivation she had when she was being headstrong against Hayward. And it like, and once again, I don't even use the words, but like you never were like, oh, she's being difficult or she's just being stubborn. Yeah. It's like, no, like she's being very passionate. And I think that that's a really hard thing to come across on screen, especially when you're not the character with no screen time. Also to be the emotional center that like mm-hmm. needs to ground everything without yeah. being boring mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. And like the way we give Bentney all the credit for like all the things he got to play with, like her character and story doesn't allow to play with those kind of like different, like zanier moments that can show that range. So to show what she had with basically like what she, like what her story and character needed to be. I mean, just talk about that, like um, that opening scene in four and tell me that's not yeah. like I mean, an incredible about, scene by her. Talk about great yeah. acting. I watched all of Mad Men and it took me until episode five to be like, holy shit, is that Dawn from Mad Men? It just never occurred to me because she's in search. <laughs> not just because the look, the look wasn't that different. It just had a different vibe of just like yeah. so right. completely di- different person. Right. Um, also, shouts to the fact that she was fan cast as Monica Rambeau like six years ago. <laughs> like that's honestly awesome. She, that's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, someone yeah. tweeted at her when she was still on Mad Men. You should play Monica Rambeau. That's um, awesome. Yeah, Steph, uh, I can't believe you reached out that early. But and then I think, but you know, just to, the last category is um, I, this is just me making it up on the fly. But like, what's like the little thing that you know? y'all you will always remember fondly like not a scene like smaller than a scene like a little um nugget a line a something that just like makes you happy to think about like for example this is not not my answer necessarily but like the jimmy woo close-up magic with the business card like i think that the show had so many moments like that so obviously this is a hard thing so you don't have to actually name your number one but like ac what's one that comes to mind that when you look back on wandavision you'll like be like that was fun the rewarding moment for episodes one, two, and three when mm. Wanda creates the house. Um, mm. When she reads the card mm. and then it sends her into just like emotional turmoil. And out of that, she creates what we saw in the first three episodes because it just provides the the perfect context for everything that happened there. Mm-hmm. And I remember us talking about it at the beginning and, you know, just wondering what was happening there. Where is this going? Not necessarily sure. But you get to the point like that. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's, um, you know, visually, it was great. Like, I, I saw I saw this tweet of somebody who had their, who had their TV uh, set up in a way that when everything went red, the whole room went red. So it's just like visually. That's extra, that was, but I like was, it. Yeah, it was very extra, but but I thought it was cool. Seeing that thing um, with yeah, the like X Men animated series, that's something that I remember that moment. Yeah, Jerome. Um, uh, I've said it like multiple times in the last week, um, but it's like more of a testament to how surprising uh, the show is in terms of creating internet culture. Vishan, like oh, it's oh, ridiculous. Yeah, we yeah, we, Steph, we we talked about Vishan um, a lot, and oh, do you have any takes? On yeah, I called it. I had Vision in a Durag and Living Heroes um, oh, well before that and actually in Power Couples Cup. And like for a while, like that was my, it's my Abby again now, but it was my Abby before then. So <laughs> I actually loved it, of course, because I was like, yeah, I've been trying to tell y'all that he was black. 
And, and, and I, I also do want to say that I called a lot of the, uh, not so much the Vishon things, but a lot of the thirsting. I remember after episode four, I think it's episode five. Um, yeah, the one with like the 80s sitcom. I texted Michael Springthorpe, is Vision with his Dick Cavett haircut daddy? And he oh, said yeah. like, I yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, let's be honest. Because I'm like, he has that haircut. He's like a supportive daddy. He'll sit you down and be like, you know, mm. um, we need to, let's talk this out. I know you're having problems at school. Let's talk it out. Um, yeah, no, yeah, but just um, that that is just a jump point mm. for how uh, like there are obvious intentional moments like mm-hmm. Agatha all along like that mm-hmm. turning into it. But like a credit to how fun this show is, but also how amazing the Internet can be yeah. and specifically like black Twitter and like black people are yeah. amazing, yeah. <laughs> but like just how it can turn into it. And we talked about it again in that last episode, how far along um, like comic fandom is now to the point that it is, it really is just a mainstream thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know who is making the case anymore for saying like, this is not accessible to anyone, but I was thinking about it after episode and thinking about it uh, going into this, when we look at it as a whole, it's like, I'm just so, so, so happy. We will never have to live through a big bang theory type of show. And like that kind of nerd and that kind of representation of like, for you to be into these sort of things. Like I will talk to people now and like, we all have grown up on it. Like there was a time where we'd be like, yeah, I know I'm into comics or I'm into Marvel. I'm into this. And like, and we're talking like, start of mcu we're not even talking like before i mean i'm my age and that was the case for you know right i and, yeah I, i'll be honest just like part of the reason down. i didn't read comics growing up was because i'm like and this is really terrible but like i'm i had friends who were like popular and like you know i was not a popular kid but like popular jason and i'm yeah, like yeah. you know what if i started reading comics like i'm a nerd but if i were to get to that level then like i wouldn't be yeah to, to be, be closeted in a way with the homecoming like, okay, game yeah, you know exactly like that and that's not true but that was like in my head like if you get to that mm. level then like you can't be cool um yeah. but anyway steph what was the moment that will stick with you Ooh, um if you want to think but um oh no no i got it um it's actually from episode one uh the very creepy moment where um i forgot the actress name is the stop it stop it stop oh, Deborah it. Joe because, Deborah Joe yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just so haunting but cool mm-hmm. at the same time because i'm like they're committing to the weird like yeah. that was yeah. the moment where i was like they're committing On to the Disney word that will always make yeah. On a Disney platform. And that really, and I think about that moment and it just, it makes me happy because yeah. it tells me like they're capable of this. So, yeah. you know, more good storytelling is on the way. Not that they haven't, you know, mm-hmm. had moments, but like yeah. it's, we're it's, really it's heading in this direction. So unsettling. is, And that's yeah. a thing that you don't see that, like things try to be scary or creepy, but like legit just like unsettling is just hard to achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and my moment, and this is how we'll wrap up um, because we got to get going. But uh, I talked about at the time how much I love slow aspect ratio changes. Mm. Um, it just I makes knew me that excited. Was be. No, but the, specifically when Monica gets thrown out of the hex and they needle drop Daydream Believer by the monkeys. 
I mean, I am a fan of needle drops galore. I love, yes, a good movie score. Yes, they're good, yada, yada, yada. But I'm on the Martin Scorsese train of like, just make everything just real songs. Fuck you. Um, yeah. And <laughs> and the fact they did that and how they slowly fade in and also like the juxtaposition of how her just got thrown out and they're playing a very upbeat song. I, that just was like, when I saw that, I'm like, this is made by people who not only understand how to make like interesting stuff, but like I like I talked about ad nauseum towards the end. This is made by people who understand what makes TV good, and so much mm. of what makes t- good TV not this is a six-hour movie TV because let's be honest, fuck that. Like that's not how you make good TV. Yeah. Is they know that there's nothing more effective sometimes than episode TV show than to have a slow pan where you see something revealed with a very popular song that kind of is a little ironic playing over top. That is like the most tried and true way to end an episode of a TV show to have something messed up revealed with a happy t- song. This made on. me think again about Case of the X in the most recent episode of or season of Insecure. <laughs> like, yeah, that, <laughs> well, that you made me think of also episode four with uh, the Jimi Hendrix at the end. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. like, yeah. yo, I yeah. let the credits play and let that. That thing rock. It yeah, so I mean, good. just like once again, these they understand what makes TV good. And after I think after the golden age of television, too many people got the wrong lesson of it of Breaking Bad being like we should just make movies on TV. And I think we got a lot of TV shows that really weren't that interesting to watch. We're not propulsive. Didn't things? It wasn't exciting. And it, I I'm so glad to see that even though the MCU is made by um it's like they misuse movies clearly kevin feige understands that tv movies are different things the, those nice. things work for me the way steph's edits that got her banned work for me 100 <laughs> speaking of which steph where can people follow you on twitter uh you can follow me at steph underscore i underscore will on twitter and instagram and check out my website whysteph.com and that is w-h-y-s-t-e-p-h.com yes read everything she does for marvel get living heroes um all that that's all on our website i don't know i'm restating stuff you can find the website but that's all good stuff mm-hmm. ac where can people follow you you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. You can check out my writing work at uh, Murph's Multiverse. Uh, Multiverse Murph is a Twitter account if you want to follow that, support it. Um, anytime you read anything I do, it definitely helps. I'll just say that. Thank you. A- amen. And Jerome, where people follow you? Uh, you can follow me at Black Dragon Roll. And just to correct the wrong of last episode, I'll mention again uh, in a few weeks, I'll be starting as producer for The Athletic. And I'm not quite sure what I'm going to be doing with them just yet, but uh, it's going to be video content. Uh, I'm excited to get into it, and uh, we'll have fun. You know what? I, you know we need to. Start, I don't know if you heard. Now, AC, you know this. Am I crazy? Yes. There's a way that Bomani Jones says the athletic, which I love. <laughs> you know what I mean? Joining the, the athletic. Same thing like Charles Barkley. The yeah. athletic. The athletic. Yeah, joining the athletic. But yes, please follow him there. You can follow me on Twitter at the J Christie. Listen to my other podcast, No Funk and Strictly Monk, which I do with Andre Barrera. It's about the show Monk. It's fucking great, honestly. I love Monk. Um, and yeah, just keep listening to this show. We're like uh, AC mentioned, we're gonna be doing a mailbag next week. Uh, so tweet us Correct. your questions. There's a hashtag. I forget exactly what it is, but you can find it on our. What is, is it just it? hashtag MC University? Yes, yes, MC yes. University. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, make sure to, if you want to leave a voicemail, e- email it to mcuniversitypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, without, you know, I just want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for uh, listening to us talk about WandaVision. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, can't wait to do Falcon and the Winter Soldier and everything after that, after that, after that. Have a good uh, night, good weekend, guys. Talk to you. Uh, later.